Welcome to the St. Jose Maria Institute podcast. Did you know that listeners like you are helping to make these podcasts possible? Let us know that our podcasts are important to you by showing your support today. Visit stjosemaria.org slash give. Today on the podcast, Christmas, a celebration of divine access. Father Peter Armenio, a priest of Opus Dei, reflects on why the Incarnation is good news of great joy and how Christmas is ultimately a celebration of radical access to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. We focus our attention on Jesus in the tabernacle that we can take the liberty to call a manger, a manger that lodges the Blessed Sacrament. The word Bethlehem is a symbol of our churches and chapels because Bethlehem is a Hebrew word that means house of bread, pointing to the Eucharist. And manger comes from a Latin word, manducare, or the French word manger, or the Italian word mangiare. He was laid in an apparatus from which animals ate. Again, another Eucharistic symbol. And it falls into line with my topic, the appearance of divine access. Love is all about access. Love is all about availability. Love is all about serving the person. And act one of Jesus' life prompted adoration because that divinity was especially hidden within the package of a newborn infant. And so the first dialogue with God made man was that of awe, praise, adoration, which would point to the Blessed Sacrament. Because the Blessed Sacrament, albeit speaks to us, but not in audible words, similar or analogous to our divine infant. And hence, the Christmas event is a Eucharistic event. It's a preview of the institution of Jesus, the ultimate access. The introduction of Jesus in the Gospel of St. Luke says that this 
God, who has become human, stays God, but has become human. The first description is he's good news of great joy. He's good news. What does good news do? Good news gives you hope. Good news gives you optimism. Good news energizes you. And he is the source of joy. The gospel reveals that there's only one true source of joy. No, it's not money, it's not fame, it's not health, it's not talent. It's not success. It's him. And the gospel implies that everything else is overrated. Every experience, every relationship is overrated. And only he can fulfill the human heart. And it's revealed in the Christmas event that this fulfillment, this good news, is literally for every individual. I gave this meditation the title of Divine Access. It doesn't sound very mystical. And the second meditation, we will try to penetrate more the humanity of Jesus. But what is, how is God revealing himself through this divine infant? What's he telling us? I want to make myself radically available for you. I don't know, about 10 days ago, I said a novena mass at St. Mary of the Angels. And at the end of mass, I was greeting the congregation. And in those novena mass, there are many young people and young couples with babies. The chirping of babies is part of the liturgy. The more, the better. Perhaps those elderly people who are hard of hearing, hearing welcome those little babies less. But we all have to remember that we were all little babies at one time. And we want to encourage parents to bring their little children, their babies. That also is a witness and enhances the liturgy. But anyway, many young moms take a chance and let me hold their baby. They want their baby blessed and they want me to play with the baby a little bit. So I have a little bit of a routine. I pinch the tip of their noses. I pull their ears. I grab their cheeks a little bit, hold them, bring them down. I just learned from the young parents. I'm getting better at it. They cry less when I hold them. And I was thinking to myself after I would talk baby talk and show affection that is appropriate to infants, and that's appropriate, that's expected. If I did that to my good friend, or if I did that to one of my siblings, pinched their noses, or grabbed their chin, I would put my relationship at serious risk 
for this excessive, inordinate familiarity. Why? Because they're not accessible to me as much as an infant. The nature of an infant invites lots of a familiarity, a familiarity that I could not bestow on anybody else. God wants us to feel comfortable with him. And just to imagine this divine access, it's comparable to say, if we could imagine this, down the street in this cluttered garage, there is a wheelbarrow. A poor family lives there. You will find a little baby wrapped in, tatter, uh, wrapped in a tattered blanket. And angels say that that baby wrapped in a tattered blanket in the wheelbarrow is the Son of God made man. And the angel said, he's yours. And it almost, it sounds like a fantastic, wild, imaginary fairy tale. We could not script something like that. Why this way of coming into the world? He could have done it many ways. I think if he had American consultants, well, you, after all, you are God. It's your show. You could suspend any law you want. You could make your debut. Why don't you come with a bag? Why don't you just drop from the sky engulfed in bright light? Age 28 with a phenomenal build, six foot five, ripped, articulate, drop-dead handsome. Why don't you do it that way? You'll get a lot more people and give a, an impassioned address on salvation and then create an elephant. Or bring a number of these tyrants to their knees. knees. He didn't do that. It's not... No infinite love made into a baby does not do that. This reminds me of this event which we can't penetrate sufficiently in that celebrated book, Crossing the Threshold of Hope, where St. John Paul is interviewed by a journalist and he's asked that perennial question, why doesn't God Show us a sign. Uh, he, he does that. Doesn't seem to work too well. Last September, on the Feast of St. Januarius, the urn of this martyr, St. Januarius, liquefies in Naples. And it makes the local news, the Neapolitans, who are semi-superstitious, their fears are allayed that ominous events won't happen because the blood liquefied, but that's about as far as it goes. Don't want to digress too much, but this um, 
agnostic French writer, Emile Zola, the beginning of the 20th century, wanted to write a parody about Lourdes. So he got into one of these railroad cars filled with terminally sick people. And he was close to a woman who had tuberculosis on the inside and the outside, ulcers all over her body. He says, that's my woman. I'm going to write a parody about her. And he goes to Lourdes and he follows her. She's dropped into the bath and she comes out squeaky clean instantaneously. And what's his reaction? Well, he gets real ticked. He takes his clipboard, he throws it on the floor, he throws his pen on the floor. He says, if I see this a thousand times, I won't believe. So there you have it. But anyway, back to John Paul. He says, our God has gone way too far. Our God has to paraphrase him, has overdone it. It's too good to be true that our God does such things. We can imagine, because I've experienced this a few times, I'm always, I always seem to be a little bit in a rush. Being productive and being a rush many times are mutually exclusive, but anyway. And I remember getting into a little conversation with an atheist. And he says, can you give me a synopsis of Christianity? That's kind of hard to do when you're in a rush. He wasn't from this country, and And I said, well, you see this, see the sky, see the stars, see the moon, see the ocean, see the mountains. We believe that was made by a God, by a supreme being who's infinitely powerful, infinitely intelligent. That's why people could write PhDs, because there's intelligence in reality. So he said, just listening. I said, that's the easy part to believe that. The more challenging part is the supreme being who did this, who created those millions of galaxies, was born in a little hick village in a hologram. And then he got a job as a carpenter. Then he was beaten to death, hanging on a cross, and every serious Christian holds it up as if it were an artifact. I mean, they may have these paintings in their houses and photographs, and then a naked dead man, who we believe is God. And then in three days he rose again, never to die again. I remember one case. The gentleman was so blown away. I mean, he heard it for the first time. He had never heard this before. It was quite an interesting experience. 
He was almost apoplectic. I mean, he couldn't process the whole thing. That an adult would espouse that. I dressed the part, collar, black. That I would devote my life to this. It was beyond argument. It was a real conversation stopper and kind of worked in my favor. I was in a rush. And he had nothing to say. He said, we'll have to fit, continue this some other time. And we can imagine when Jesus cut his disciples loose in a world that whose customs and lifestyle flew in the face of all the contents of the gospel, would hear this story. Because in those days, you didn't have mass-produced paperback Bibles, let alone New Testaments, for the first 50, 60 years, or for that matter, before the discovery or the invention of the printing press, the gospel was transmitted orally to hear that that our God began that way after much meditation Saint Jose Maria says in the way to realize that you love me so much my God and yet I haven't lost my mind. That was his, it's the teachings of the gospel from day one, but he was enlightened amid crushing suffering that God was wildly in love with him, that he was loved as a son, and he was the object of this infinite love of God's divine heart, translated in Jesus' humanity. What's this axis about? We need to have a few standards of reference. Around this time of the year, I guess it's easier to get seriously sick during this time of the year. So I, uh, I make sick calls throughout the year, but I've been making a lot recently. And one saintly person in tears gave me the idea of this topic, divine access. He said, I've hit the jackpot. You could say that if you have a lot of faith, because he was racked in pain and in fatigue with imminent death. Jesus has visited me every day. What more can a man want? Someone was bringing him communion. Envied him a little bit. He was so moved. And he wasn't moved out of sorrow. He was moved 
out of a heightened appreciation of God's divine access. Many of us in Opus Dei and those in touch with Opus Dei experience sorrow, kind of mixed feelings over the passing of the prelate of Opus Dei, and we also call him the father. Everybody's special, but he's special because uh, he'd give pushback, but it's a reality. He was the right-hand man of Saint Jose Maria. He was a right-hand man of another saint, Blessed Alvaro del Portillo. So that's that's not gonna. It's a unique relationship. It's not very common to have that kind of relationship with two saints recognized by the church. Not my role to canonize anybody, but informally among us, friends, I thought he was a saint. And, well, how do you know? What's your experience? That when I talked to him, I had that sensation. And just to put it in common American terminology, he really likes me. Does that surprise you? Yeah, a little bit. And he's genuinely interested. He's excited about my story, my family. And when I was sick, He wrote a letter. I was vicar then, so he, I don't think that matters, but he wrote a letter and said, told me, hang in there. I want you to be strong and I want you to offer this up and we're behind you. And when you'd see him, he'd, you'd put him in a better mood because you're there, you're in front of him. We've had the experience where, I don't know, an encounter, the person we encounter is supremely interested in us and wants to hear us. Very simple. What's interesting is, though, what I'm saying, the next guy says the same thing. I talked to somebody else who encountered him and I said, you know, by the way, uh, you could keep him in your prayers, you could pray for him and probably pray to him and immediately, oh, what a heart he had. What, what warmth, what affection, what an experience it was. You could see him on YouTube. I was in Rome with a group of American seminarians and we went to the Mass of St. Jose Maria on June 26th. And as he was processing out, he was greeting the seminarians. And they detected the same thing. This divine access. Jesus is saying, I'm approachable. What more do you want when your God is naked on the cross dying? What more do you want when your God is in a, in a manger? 
What more do you want when you're God, described by St. Paul as your slave? My God is my slave. Because he wants to. That's what infinite love is all about. The infinite love pulls out all stops. And the ultimate, according to St. Jose Maria, and we'll finish up, is the Eucharist. The humility of Jesus in Bethlehem, in Nazareth, on Calvary, but still more humiliation and more self-abasement in the most sacred host. More than in the stable, more than in Nazareth, more than on the cross. That is why I must love the Mass so, our Mass Jesus. He rigged away so we could have them all to ourselves. Because love is always personal. It's not generic. And so I have a personal access to him. No tickets, no waiting room. He's right there. Lastly, we finish up, oh, as always, we go to Mary. And Mary's also about this divine access. Just to make sure, to make it easier. I'm going to give you a mom, too. Who's going to be the perfect image of Christ in feminine form. The other greatest image of God the Father in feminine form. He gave Mary officially to us when he hung on the cross. He gave, first he gives up himself in the Eucharist, his greatest gift, the second, his mother. And I need to foster that disposition because that word come to me is prominent in the gospel. I need to respond to this divine access. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Thank you for listening to the St. Jose Maria Institute podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave a rating or review on iTunes. For more resources and podcasts like this one, go to saintjosemaria.org. That is saintjosemaria.org.